All right, I'm going to read Job 1, verse 6 through chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, if you want to follow along, uh, that's found in Job 1 and uh, 2. The, the Pew Bibles, you'll find that on page uh, 417. Job's right before uh, Psalms. Okay, let's hear God's word. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord, answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only do not stretch out your um, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters uh, where his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people. And they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And then Job arose, he tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, spare only his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and he took a piece of pottery with with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. 
Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not also receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Let us uh, ask the Lord's blessing on our time this morning. Our gracious God, your word is good. Not always easy, but always good. Uh, May you be with us this morning. And may we do more than hear and understand. May we believe and trust and find comfort in your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, um, a little bit of review as we get started. We're doing an abbreviated series in the book of Job. We won't be covering the whole book. Um, What kind of genre did we say last week Job is? What genre of literature, of writing, of biblical scripture? We said, yeah, we said it's wisdom. It has narrative at the beginning, it has poetry in the middle, narrative again at the end. But I argued that it's wisdom. Now, what is biblical wisdom? Butchie. What? Okay. Um, I, I think we want to be a little bit narrower because we would distinguish it from other teaching about who God is. Um, we, would, we would distinguish wisdom from like what we call didactic, which teaches us about God and his character. We distinguish it from uh, poetry, which teaches about God and his character. Uh, wisdom really <laughs> drives it. I realize I, I keep walking around and Zoom probably just disappearing. But uh, uh, wisdom is aimed at something specifically. Yes, yeah. Wisdom, biblical wisdom is different than earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom we distinguish from knowledge as learning about how life works. You know, it, it's, it's, it's from experience. But biblical wisdom is actually different. Biblical wisdom is about how to live according to God's word despite what appears to work or make sense. In other words, biblical wisdom is learning to say, I will trust God regardless of what the world throws at me and regardless of the consequences for following God's word. And, and so that's what we're going to continue to, to push as we look at this book. Now, now, real quick, what are two things we learned about Job last week? He feared God. In fact, God said he was blameless. Does that mean he is sinless? No. Doesn't mean he's sinless, okay? So that kind of leads to the second thing we've learned about uh, Job. He actually is a sinner who needs God's grace because he needed sacrifices. He, he offered sacrifices regularly uh, for his family as well. Uh, why is Job recorded? Why do we have Job in the Bible? Okay, that's a Sunday school answer, Gary. Yes, we all, all <laughs> we are in a Sunday school class. Yeah, yeah. All all scripture is there because God wants it there. Yeah. Why did God want it there? Because we can identify with the sufferings and pain that Job. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to help us understand how to live in the midst of pain and suffering. Good. Uh, and also to help us understand the pain and suffering of Christ to come. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do we usually approach the book of Job? People love the book of Job. How do we usually read it? What do we, how do we interpret it? And you can be honest here, don't worry, because it's typical. We all do it. Okay, we fast forward to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skip to the end. Yeah, yeah. We we identify with you know the bad counsel and try to seek good. How do we relate to Job? Okay, let me let me let me see if this resonates at all. Do any of us compare ourselves to him and ask ourselves questions like this? Could I continue to trust God through everything he went through? Would would I have the strength to not throw in the towel and curse God and die like his wife? Would I be able to survive the way Job did? Anybody ever read Job that way? Okay, a couple honest people. Good. Yes, I did call the rest of you liars. Uh, (laughs) I I think the essence of asking that question, whether we realize it or not, is we we wonder if our strength would be sufficient to withstand the unrestrained onslaught of the enemy. Like, I think, and we tend to think like this, I think I have enough faith to to endure a certain amount of suffering, but I don't know if I have enough faith to endure that much suffering. What happens then? When we we think like that, when we ask those questions, I ask those questions. I mean, if you do, okay, we're, well, at least I'm in your company. Whether that's an encouragement or not, I have no idea. But that's my instinct when I read Job. That's my natural inclination. Um, well, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket yourself when you mm. do that. And no, you don't have to. <laughs> but with God's help, we'll Exactly. We, when we do that, we're really, we, <laughs> we end up looking to ourselves. Like we see Job as a moral example that we hope we would have the strength to follow, but the reality is probably we won't. Sorry. And so then, we live in fear that things don't get too hard. And we pray that trials don't get too severe because we're afraid if they do, we might abandon Jesus. And it terrifies us. And the very book that's meant to be a comfort to us can actually, you know, deep down, also become a discouragement and a reason for fear. We can't in ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we can't. And if, and if we're honest, we'll say, I, I can't endure that kind of trial on my own. I, I need help because... So while in one way Job might become a great comfort to us in our trials, we, we see that it's not just because I'm a sinner and, and God's not just beating up on me because I've done something wrong or things like that. It can also terrify us in another way because, okay, I'll just speak for myself for a minute. I feel inferior to Job. I, I look at him, it seems superhuman. I can't do that. And of course it is. 
Um, but if I do that, I've missed the point. Because this book is not about Job's strength. This book is about God's grace. It's, it's not about our power, it's about God's power. And, and so today I want to begin to see that Satan's attack isn't really on Job. I, I, we want to really kind of see this whole, like try to reorient the way we see this book and see that Satan's attack is actually on God. And, that, and therefore, that, that Job's victory isn't really Job's victory, it's God's victory. And there's some things in here that are meant to really drive that, that reality home. And so I, I just want to spend um, the time remaining this morning just trying to hit a few of those things. The purpose of Job's trial, then, is to vindicate God's power in his saving grace. That's the point. So that you don't sit there and say, do I have the strength of Job? You say, do I have Job's God? That's where the comfort is meant to come. So um, if we might summarize today's lesson, it would be something like this. Uh, Job serves as a demonstration that by, God, by grace, God is able to preserve sinful man against the attacks of the devil, something righteous Adam couldn't do. In other words, I, there's, there's a number of, of echoes in, in the book of Job to Adam and I think the point is, Adam was in a sense on his own. He, he, wasn't, he, he was under a covenant of works. He had to survive on his own strength. But he, he wasn't already a sinner. He didn't have a sinful nature, a fallen nature. And he failed. And God is essentially saying to Satan, I can do more with grace and a sinner than a righteous man can do on his own. That's what we need to hear. So, real quick, who are the sons of God in verse 6? Yeah, yeah. Um, they can refer to, that, that phrase can refer to different things in the Bible. But here, it's, it's talking about angels. Um, and, uh, and it says, and that Satan came along with, with him. Now, he's only called Satan two places in the Old Testament. Zechariah 3 and here. Anybody know what Satan means? Accuser. Accuser. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a legal term for the prosecutor, right? It's interesting, right? Jesus is called our advocate, our defender. These are both uh, legal terms. One accuses you before the judge and one advocates for you before the judge. Now, what do you notice about verse 8? I hope you have your Bibles open this morning. What's really interesting about verse 8? Butchie's not even looking down. Did you bring a Bible, Butchie? I did, but I didn't bring Okay. What do you notice about verse 8? Okay, what's interesting about that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Goliath shows up and he's like, no one's willing to fight me, you know. And, and the king looks over and says, what about Dave Stodema? You're like, you, you know. <laughs> Out of all the times you choose to remember my name, now is the time. No, it's like, 
things but no things. Like God brings Job up, right? Absolutely. My, my translation says consider. Uh-huh. Have you, have you thought about? Yeah. Right, absolutely. It's like an accountant, right? Have you carefully weighed this matter? Yeah. Um, why do you think God brings Job up? Yeah, there's absolutely a future plan too, right? But is there a is there a present reality that God is pointing out? Uh huh. Why would God brag about Job? Yeah, here's here's a man who was born in sin, and he worships and he honors God. He cares about his children and offers sacrifices for them, right? God's look what my grace does with a sinner. Here's a man who honors me. You see, right? Yeah. And and does Satan disagree? Does Satan go, Job, let me list off all the things he's done. Does he does he argue that Job doesn't actually honor the Lord? And no. He 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 acknowledges it. But he argues the reason. He says, yeah, but, but there's... I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that Job honors you. But here's the thing. What, where does Satan go after? Mm-hmm. He's, he doesn't really do it because he loves you. He does it because he's selfish. And he just knows he doesn't want to rock the boat. Following you... It's a good deal. Look how wealthy he is. Look how comfortable his life is. Why would he rock the boat? Yeah, John. Yes, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course he does. You've bubble wrapped him, right? Yeah. That's the Hebrew. The Hebrew is actually bubble wrap. Uh, no, it's... No, but yeah, he, yeah you, you've put this protective wall around him where nothing can get in, nothing can test him and, and see what he's really made out of. Absolutely. Verse 9, Job says, uh, he, he asked if Job would serve you for nothing. That would he, if, you, if you didn't give him all these blessings, and it was just to serve you, not for all the blessings he would receive, would he for nothing? That's the question. What's he accusing God of? Why is yeah, more hands need to start going up. But yeah, John. Uh, okay, that's one way to put it. Favoritism. Favoritism. Protected. What do we call it when you get somebody's favor and loyalty in exchange for gifts? Huh? Huh? Yes, it's something you're not supposed to do with the police or elected officials. What? Bribes. bribes. He's accusing God of bribing Job. Who is this attack against? God. He's not accusing Job here. He's accusing God of playing with a stacked deck, of not being fair. We don't want to miss that. This is the attack. The, accuse, the accusation is on him.
that means that the, the, the point of this book is not trying to answer, and it will deal with this a little bit, but it's not answering why we suffer, because that's not where it starts. It's not about our earthly comfort, it's about God. And, and how he enables us to love him, is it only through comfort and bribery? That's the question this book is answering. Do we only serve God because he bribes us? Do we only follow him and stay loyal to him because he bribes us? That's the, that's, that's the conflict. And so God gives Satan permission to strip Job of all his earthly blessings. And with only one caveat, that he not touch Job personally. And so in a single day, he loses it all. Um, and it comes in four waves. The first wave, the Sabaeans, which were Bedouins, they descend upon Job's oxen and his donkeys, and they kill his hired hands, they steal his animals, and only one servant lives, and he comes and tells Job. The second wave is, is that while, while that servant is still talking, another one shows up, and, and, and Job's sheep, they're not stolen, they're, they're consumed with fire from heaven, <laughs> along with his servants. Only one survives that he can come and tell Job. And then the third wave, the Chaldeans, they, while the Sabaeans are stealing, you know, the oxen and the donkeys, the Chaldeans steal his camels and they kill his other servants who are watching his camels. So only one survives. It's like this theme, right? And that's all unfathomable. You you think about, you know, coincidence, right? Okay. Theft from one group, it happens. Theft from two unrelated groups in the same day, okay, that's a pretty big coincidence. But the real kicker is, and fire from heaven? (laughs) Who's behind this? What does Job have to accept at this point? Yeah, that God is behind this. Job is being targeted, and yet the worst is yet to come. So finally, the fourth wave in verses 18 and 19, we're told that the greatest toll of all was taken. All his children gathered in one house, um, as they were known to do. We saw that last week. A great wind came and destroyed the house, killing everyone in it but one servant who might come and tell Job. Oh yeah, and, and life's like that. You know, I, my my phone can go a week without ringing, and then in one day, you know, crisis, death, sickness. In the morning, before lunch, after lunch, and again, and it's like, and you, Lord, I have no strength left. You're like, yeah, you had no strength to begin with. You just thought you did. And one day, possibly within minutes, Job has gone from the wealthiest man in the land, the patriarch of a large family, to being destitute and childless. If Job worshipped God because of his wealth, there is no reason to worship God anymore. Because he has no wealth. But what do we find in verse 20? 
Okay? Is it despair? Yeah. There's sorrow, but he worships God without the wealth, without the bribe. But then, as, as he has time to think a little bit, he says, well, this is by the hand of the sovereign God. Right. Yeah, we don't have to assume that he's like, oh, everything's gone, let's have a worship service. But, but in his sorrow, he still confesses that God is good. He still praises the Lord's name, absolutely. It's funny, he tears his clothes. We read last week in Joel, uh, tear not your garments, but rend your heart. I read it three more times in, in the Bible this morning and, and when uh, 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 things going on uh, in, in the ministry of Elisha in Second Kings, but... Uh, there's that imagery, right? He tears his clothes. He's weeping. He's mourning, um, and uh, but yet in in the midst of all of that, he worships. Does Job know yet why God is doing this? Is is, is he able to worship God because he says it, it's painful? But at least I know why. No. He only knows that God is doing it. And he responds in worship. And that brings us back to what I said last week about the biblical definition of wisdom. Wisdom is not understanding life experience because there's nothing in life's experience that that gives Job the ability to do what he's doing. This is uncharted territory. Wisdom is not even understanding the meaning of suffering. He doesn't understand why. Wisdom is trusting God and obeying him regardless of what comes upon him. And so in verse 21, Job makes this great confession. Uh, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, If you want to hear something touching... um, Evie Hill, pastor down in L.A., uh, preached on this verse at his wife's funeral. Uh, Amazing. As he said goodbye to his dearest friend of decades, this was the verse he chose. Um, You can find it online. Uh, Evie Hill. Uh, Job's saying basically, I I have nothing. The Lord is free to take away what he will because I entered into this life naked and nothing is rightfully mine. There's an amazing amount of faith in that statement. Job doesn't just resign himself to what's happening. He, He blesses God. In verse 11, Satan prophesied that Job would curse God. And here Job is doing the opposite. He's blessing God. Who's been vindicated? God has. Yeah. God's been vindicated. Yep. He will not let him go. 
Chapter 2 opens uh, not with the continued conversation between God and, and Satan, but, but the next assembly of the sons of God. Again, Satan comes, uh, not because he chooses to, but because he's summoned. <laughs> and he's strangely silent. He, he doesn't bring up his failed attempt to destroy the Lord's chosen child. And so God must bring him up again, and he does in verse 3. Hey, have you, have you seen Job, my, my child, my servant? He repeats everything that he said about Job in the previous chapter, and he adds something. Not only does he say, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, blameless and upright, uh, who fears God and turns away from evil. He adds, he still holds fast with integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him and without reason. There's a play here, right? Because because God, uh, because Satan argued in chapter one that that Job will not serve God, Job will not serve God for no reason, right? And God brings up that language: "You told me to destroy him with no reason, and yet he still worships. He's doing a little play there. He's throwing Satan's words in his face." Job does serve me for nothing, even though you incited me to afflict him. Satan, undeterred, responds by saying, skin for skin. The insinuation is, Job is feigning worship. He's pretending to worship you so that you might not take away what little left he has, his naked flesh. And again, the Lord grants permission Take his health, spare only his life. And so Job struck with sores on his flesh uh, from head to toe. Um, and, and those will be explained uh, through the book. Uh, uh, itching, maggot infestation, uh, deteriorating bones, um, and in fact, blackened flesh that's falling off. And it's into all of this that his wife appears. Verse 9. And she comes with those comforting words of, curse God and die. Thanks, honey. She's, who's she siding with in this battle? Yeah. I'm not. Well, uh, let me say two things. First, I know I'm not better than Job, and I don't think I'm better than her by my own strength, right? Yeah. But I think there's more going on than that. Because Satan and, the, and God are locked in a conflict over a single man, and his wife comes along to spur him into rebellion. Does that sound at all familiar? Yes. That's exactly the point. It's supposed to echo Adam and Eve in the garden. There's more going on than just a simple man and his wife. Um, if it were simply a man and his wife, we all know that the wife would be stronger than... You know, we, we get that, right? Because that's what our experience tells us. The wife would be stronger. There's something else going on here. There's an intentional reflection 
back to the garden. There's, there's an intentional comparison between Job and Adam. And the question is, will Job follow the path of Adam? Will Job, like Adam, listen to his wife who's listening to the serpent and bow his knee and rebel? So there's the, there's the similarity. What's the difference? Okay. It is a difference, but, but go, go deeper than that, because you're right. Why doesn't God give grace to Adam? Okay. That's big picture. Well, I mean, it's a deep Sunday school answer because it's big picture, like the ultimate goal, the plan and stuff. But I think there's there's something going on. Yeah, Mom. Well, Adam was originally without sin. Mm-hmm. And Job is already an admitted sinner. Yeah. And so the grace goes to the sinful. Exactly. Adam was not under grace. He was under works. He was being tested to see on his own strength. So there's one difference. Uh, Job is under grace. Adam is under law. That's one difference. The second difference is Adam isn't a sinner already. He doesn't, he's not fighting against a, a sinful nature. Like So there's this difference. Like what You expect the non-sinful man to do better than the sinful man, right? That's the expectation, but it's actually the opposite that happens, right? We actually see a better, better result from the sinner than we do the sinless man. What's the difference? That's what, that's what we're wrestling with. Why? It's, but that, that, that's why Job is recorded like this, is to, to get us to see that comparison, But Job doesn't listen to his wife. He doesn't attack her. He patiently answers her with God's wisdom, with, with God's truth. And he says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not also receive evil? Now, I need to be careful here. Evil in, in Hebrew has a range of meaning. It doesn't mean like God is doing wickedness. Get over it. No, that's not what it means. It means adversity, pain, trouble, Right? And uh, it's affliction. And Job trusts that it would be wicked of him to accept God's blessings and then curse him when those blessings are removed. But, but most profound is what we read at the end of verse 10. In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. This doesn't imply that he cursed God in his heart. <laughs> it's concluding the whole section. Job's goal was to get Job to curse God, but Job only blesses him. And so, and so, in just the, the last few minutes that remain, I want to bring us back to where we began. Who was the original attack against? Like, huh? Against God, that's right. The original attack was against God, not Job. We, we've got to keep that in focus. 
Satan accused God of not being able to hold on to his child. And keep him faithful and true except through bribing him. That was the accusation. This is the only way you can, you can keep worshipers and followers is by bribing them. That's the accusation. And Satan argued that Job, and thereby implication in you, would surely fall away if things got too hard. Which, of course, is how we feel. If things got this hard, I'd probably fall away. I don't think I could, I don't think I could persevere where Job persevered because I don't have that kind of strength. I don't have that kind of faith. I'm not as, I'm not like Job. I'm just, I'm just a typical weak sinner. The goal of this whole section is not to vindicate Job, it's to vindicate God. And so what do we, that's what we find in verse 10. God is vindicated. Job, Satan said, you won't be able to hold on to this person if you take away that hedge of blessing, if you take off the bubble wrap, if you stop bribing him, you'll lose. And, and here's Job praising God. And God wins. God has given us clear proof that our perseverance does not depend upon our ease and comfort or our pain, but upon him who holds us safely in his hand. Because here's a sinful yet redeemed man withstanding a greater assault than righteous Adam underwent. Sinless Adam and he doesn't fail. He doesn't take the bait. Because by grace, God is doing what a righteous man through the law could not do. And, and, and the point of, of Job is to say, this is the God who has you. If it depended upon your strength, you could be without sin. If it was just upon you, you'd do no better than Adam. But if it depends upon God... then you could go through what Job went through and the Lord would still hold on to you because his grace is sufficient. Yeah, John. I'm sorry I said a little louder. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 It's it's interesting, right? Because what Paul says in First Corinthians that God will not allow you to be tested upon that which you are able. In other words, God, Satan must get permission. He must get permission. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we often think, you know, that it's us and Satan and God sort of on the sidelines. And here you just see the intense, here's what you may do. Here's as far as you may go. Here's, here's what I give you permission or not. Yeah. And that's what allow. God will not allow you to be tested beyond that which you are able to endure. And for every way, you know, he will give you a way of escape.
Absolutely. Good. And Dave. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that, yeah, that it, God used that language. You incited me against Job. That it was from God's hand, in a very, you know, that these things have to ultimately come. And Job says that to his wife. Shall I receive good, but not also affliction? Good. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it, it almost makes it easier to blame God when bad things happen if you know that he's allowing it and it, what it really draw, drives you to do is to wrestle with God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and, okay if you accept that God is sovereign is he good and sovereign and that's a good place to be but it's not necessarily comforting well sure right um, uh, it, because, he, because at this point God is not giving us the why only the that, right? That God gave permission. He hasn't told... In other words, it would be naive to think that the only reason God is causing Job to suffer is because of his, his pride in, in wanting to, you know, thump Satan on the nose and say, hey, I've, you know, we're going to see that there are other reasons as well that are for actually Job's benefit, the book will not end before we get there. What, what we see here is simply that God is not going to let Job go no matter what. And, and that, that's, that's, that's the grace for today. <laughs> and and um, yeah, we're going to have to wrestle with, okay, so why does God allow hardship? I mean, if he's going to preserve me through, through good or ill... Why not just make it good? <laughs> well, there's, there's reasons, that we, and we can get to those, and the Bible has answers. They're just not in chapters 1 and 2 of Job. Yeah. How's that for a pass the buck? It's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. We'll get there. But yeah, I, I, it, it's not easy. But it, it does comfort me in that sense that when I compare myself to Job, I think, Lord, you better not test me like that because I won't survive. And, and that's not the point of Job. It's the opposite. God's telling me, I did it with Job, and if I have to, I'll do it with you. Yes. That is a comfort. Okay, let's pray. Our great God, you are kind beyond measure. You love us more than we deserve. And so we thank you for your word of comfort, and we ask that Uh, today's word of grace would be sufficient for today and that we'd be patient with the other questions, knowing that you answer all good things in your time. Strengthen us and be with us even as we worship uh, in just a few minutes, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.